Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The secret to success in the context of like the universe conspiring on your behalf. And um, there's three elements. The first one is clarity or of intention or clarity of objective. The second one is enthusiasm or conviction around your objective. And then the third thing is, you know, that the idea or the intention or the objective serves the greater good. Nice. 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 Nice with Dave Delaney. Welcome to the Nice Podcast, all about communication, collaboration, and becoming better leaders. I'm your host, Dave Delaney from futureforth.com, where we help fast-growing tech companies retain talent and improve culture so you have happier more connected teams today. I'm speaking with the one and only Kurt Derridix, otherwise known as Mr. Curdy D, who is the general manager at Hunt Club, co-founder of Lime, Esri, and City Source, and the host of the incredible podcast, The Curdy D Show. Welcome to Nice. How are you? I'm awesome, Dave. So nice to see you. You too. You too. I'm excited to to have you here today. So I always like to begin these things with a single question, which is, what is the nicest thing someone has done for you recently? Ooh, nicest thing someone has done for me recently. Well, my wife, too many to count. Yes. Yeah. What's so, one I thing? Mean, what, what's one thing? <laughs> one thing. Oh, geez. That's, 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 that's a fun question. I love that. Um, well, she, we're getting ready to go on a, a wonderful kind of dream vacation to Europe and she's been doing all the like little planning and she got us registered yesterday and like did all the like, you know, got to make sure our, we're, we're all like pre-boarded and all our printing passes are printed out and the, the, uh, the VAX cards are all uploaded and our passports are still valid and all that stuff that I might've forgot to do. that's awesome man that's great when do you guys when are you uh hitting heading out on your trip uh uh, next thursday oh nice we're flying into barcelona nice nice and uh yeah we're gonna do a little cruise up the uh french and italian riviera and then land in in uh, rome for a couple nights and uh we're very blessed and excited yeah that's awesome that's uh there's a great little city about 20 minutes from barcelona called uh uh Um, and we stayed there, uh, it was great. It was like a 20 minute train ride to like downtown city center, Barcelona, but it was, uh, it's a really cool, like kind of walled city and it's got its own like beaches, like beautiful beaches and just like little narrow little, uh, you know, laneways and walk and roads and stuff. It's super cool. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. I've been to Europe probably a dozen times and my first time to Barcelona. So I hear it's many people's favorite city in Europe. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, it's a great, great place. Um, yeah, well, you know, it was Europe that made this Canadian end up in America, right? Because <laughs> I met my wife in Ireland. So you never know where life will take you. Oh, I love that. We did our honeymoon in Ireland. Oh, nice, nice. Well, yeah. my wife and I met in Galway. Did you Did you get to Galway? 
we did not, but we, uh, we, yeah, we were in, um, Dublin and we went up North to Belfast and we got down to Cork and went on the other side of the Island to, uh, some other beautiful cities, really beautiful country. We were there kind of late spring. So it was when they got the good weather too. So. Yeah, that's perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, I used to I used to have friends uh say, you know, doesn't it rain in Ireland all the time? And I'm like, that's why pubs have roofs. That's funny. Actually, right. now thinking about it, we were there mid-June. So we we're there kind of yeah. you know early summer. There we go. That's yeah, that yeah. Perfect. Yeah, like the the two weeks that are summer in Ireland, which is perfect. <laughs> so everybody gets sunburned. Uh so tell me a little bit about um who someone was that was especially nice to you in your career. Oh, wow. I mean, so I have a podcast, the Curdy D show, and there's a couple of people that continue to come up as kind of reoccurring virtual cast members that I reference um, because they've had such a big impact. Um, Probably top uh, is Jack Dangermond, Mm -hmm. uh, my former boss, uh, CEO and founder at Esri, ESRI. Uh, They're the um, software, uh, they make the software called ArcGIS. And um, yeah, he's a billionaire on the Forbes 400, and um, he took a real personal interest in me and my career. He had actually invested in my company, CitySourced, um, in 2009, and then recruited me to work for him for 2012, and we were able to return capital to him uh, in 2019. And uh, I just saw him a few weeks ago, and uh, just like, you know, he's he's uh, been incredible. There's also Duke Stump, who is referenced on my show a bunch. Um, uh, it was a marketing exec at Nike. Uh, when I was at Lime on the BD team um, there, we recruited him as our CMO. Uh, he mm-hmm. had been the executive vice president of brand and culture at Lululemon. Yeah. And kind of really got a lot of credit for doing a turnaround with them, uh, you know, 10 years ago or so. And um, he's like a culture brand whisperer. So anybody that's a fan of this show, Duke Stump has a lot of great content online. He's done a bunch of stuff with the do lectures, D O do lectures. Originally had a uh, do lectures event originally out of Wales, uh, but they've done a bunch of stuff in the U S with Duke. There's some great video content of him. Um, Yeah. And a bunch more, I can go on and on, but, but those are probably top two. And then plus my dad. And he was episode one on the show, uh, Peter Derdick. So lots of love to Pops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've listened and I've had the pleasure of of being on your podcast as well. Thank you for for having me there. Um, you, you talked. I've heard you in interviews talk about how uh, you helped your dad get sober, which was like a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the odds were against us. I was in college at UC Santa Barbara and. Uh, Growing up, my dad was a cool dad. He owned a rock and roll FM station. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, kind of just north of LA. So, uh, yeah. And I think the good times, uh, you know, he let the good times roll a little too hard mm-hmm. and uh, caught up with them. Um, yeah. And he got a pretty wicked uh, drug and alcohol problem. And um, yeah, I had to sort of kind of figure it out. I, stage an intervention and um wow. he, didn't, he didn't like that too much and we didn't see him for a long time and then he finally sort of hit rock bottom and came around and uh yeah he's been sober over 20 years that's great and he's that a real great. beacon um beacon of light and inspiration to many people in our community here in, in ventura county and uh you know he's just great great example of somebody that um you know, just really humble and hardworking. And, um, yeah, you know, he's not perfect, nor none of us are, but uh-huh. he is uh, a great dad and, and, uh, he's a great uh, manager to many people that he works with now. He's a, a, in the real estate business now. And, uh, yeah, Peter. It's wonderful. So I, I love the fact that like when, when I, you know, when, when we caught up uh, a while back, it was so nice to, to talk to you, you know, again, and hear your voice because we hadn't talked in a long time. And, and I think a lot, you know, one thing that I wanted to talk about is just the power of relationships, you know, and the and human connection and the fact that like, so, you know, I wrote a book a while back about, about networking and, and networking kind of has negative connotations, you know, the word itself, when I talk about it, like, at, at, you know, in keynotes, I just was speaking about it. And I asked people to text me from stage, 
what their what the words were that came to mind when they thought of networking. So they were sort of uncensored that way. And so many people replied with like, oh, horrific and dirty and gross and and all these things. And with and with good reason too, because a lot of networking events can really suck if they're not managed well. So tell me a little bit about like your experiences with networking and and your approach. Cause I mean, we met when you were on a road trip, a uh, twip uh, to uh, Nashville. Uh, yes. Uh, let's share a little bit about that story and how that yeah. came to be. And then let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So road twip was an idea that um, Jolie Odell, who was a, a blogger in the tech space, uh, Back in the day, and our friend John Dingman, uh, we basically tried to channel Jack Kerouac uh, with social media and, and just sort of did a cross-country trip in 2009. And this was like, you know, Twitter was uh, still, you know, pre-mainstream. We had a sponsorship from BrightKite and Red Bull. And mm. BrightKite was an early social media platform. I think they sponsored you on, on a trip too. They did indeed. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. They were like a geolocation, sort of a four square type of uh, yeah. early four square type. Yeah. Yeah. So we would do these tweet ups and we just roll into town. I think John and I are in LA. We flew out to East coast where Jolie was in DC, drove, picked her up in Virginia and started heading West to uh, Omaha for the first annual big Omaha conference that Jeff Slobotsky and that whole crew um, did. And we would do these tweet ups along the way. So Nashville was a stop and that's where we met you and Marcus Whitney and, yeah, we would tweet out that we were turning up and, um, you know, like it was fun. We'd get 30, 40, 50, 60 people to turn up. Um, and, uh, that was just a, a really fun experiment. And, um, we were video blogging the whole thing. And, um, when we, we looped back, uh, to East coast, um, I think in Toledo, Ohio, we made the evening news and the, the newscasters came down. It was such a novel thing, you know, yeah. social media people doing a tweet up and yeah. <laughs> <it's> so funny. <laughs> um, but, you know, like in kind of in that same breath into your question about networking, like, you know, I think I, I just like, I think you and I are very similar. We just sort of are curious people and we just, um, we, we just love, Beating people, um, I think that, you know, for me, like even on my my LinkedIn handle and stuff, I, I kind of like thought about it recently and I, I, I sort of labeled myself as a collector of amazing friends. Yeah, and I love that. It's really like, you know, everybody has their sort of superhero gifts. And I think for me, I've always, I'm in the talent space. I'm a recruiter, you know, I mean, not... Or I, I should back up. I, I work for a um, hunt club as general manager and we're one of the fastest growing um, executive uh, and non-executive um, talent recruiting agencies in the U.S. And we're, we're um, and so like, you know, that my network has really, you know, I'm able to activate it in the context of what I do. And, um, you know, I similar to you, I, I got into the tech market and I'll like, well, like, like, like similar to you, I've been a community guy where I've done a lot of events. Right. And so like, like for my career, I was, I was uh, out of college. I did real estate for five years, which was amazing until the great financial crisis happened. And I got completely wiped out, mm. lost everything. Mm. And then, um, I, Duke Stump, the mentor I mentioned, he gave me this uh, really powerful exercise called Imagine the Day. Mm. And uh, Imagine the Day was this exercise about like, what's Curdy D's perfect day? It's a metaphorical day. It's a, it's a week, it's a month, it's a, it's a career, right? Yeah. And I went through that design exercise and I was like, I want to be doing something that's like in tech. I want to be doing like a social enterprise. I'm, I'm tired of dealing with a consumer retail customer. I want to be dealing with a, um, a professional buyer. I want to be on an airplane once a month, going to conferences, getting paid to learn, getting paid to travel, getting paid to make friends. Yeah. You know, and that sort of like led me into city source, which I co-founded. And, um, then the re and that's sort of a long answer to your question about networking is what the reason the way i met my co-founder was i started organizing these events called meeting of the minds mm. we we did a shorthand we called it modem m-o-t-m meeting of the minds and that was really inspired by benjamin franklin's junto 
uh, gatherings that they did. J-U-N-T-O. Um, and every Friday, ben, Benjamin Franklin and his peers, some, his homies back in Philadelphia, whatever, almost 300 years ago, um, would uh, meet and support each other. And out of that work, they started the first libraries and schools and um, hospitals and all that kind of stuff. And I just was like, thought like that, you know, like I was trying to get into a new industry. I was trying to like, you know, meet people. And for, it was just a really intuitive thing for me. Like, I think similar to you, like in high school, I was always the one throwing the parties. Right? Yeah. yeah. So like, I just always was the one convening folks together. And, um, you know, as I've gotten older, it's like everybody, we all want to have a good time and have fun, but we, you know, we have families and whatnot, and we want to be able to be efficient with our time and, and have it, you know, uh, ha- have some meaning, um, and also hopefully move our, our careers forward. So, the meeting of the minds kind of evolved into another event series that I started doing in LA for 10 years called digital family reunion. Mm. And I started, um, I essentially brought like all of the event promoters together for a holiday party kind of under one tent. So it was like kind of a homeroom for the LA community. We get like a thousand people to turn up. Yeah. And, um, through that, I got a lot of recruiters who would sponsor my events and they'd always want me to come work for them. But I always had an allergic reaction to recruiters because I sort of felt like they're really glad handy. Yeah. Right. And back to your the thing about networking and if people have a bad taste and it's sort of a very, you know, Adam Grant, who I'm a big fan of, wrote that book, Give and Take. Yes. And, you know, there's I think a lot of networking gets painted with a brush of like just takers. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think like. I, I don't know if like Adam's work is really interesting because I am a giver, but I'm also sort of discriminating. I don't give to everybody. Um, and it's not because, um, you know, mean or disrespectful. It's just sort of like, I I've been burned. Like I had just had Neil Patel on my podcast and he, he, he talked about some friends of his burned him for a million bucks. Yeah. That was you a know? great interview by the way. And yeah. I, I enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. Thanks. And so, I, you know, I think too, because of the stuff I dealt with, with my dad, like if somebody that like loved me so much would be that depraved to go down a bad path, you know, I just sort of am like, there's an interesting combination of somebody that's optimistic, but also like, I may be skeptical or pragmatic. So I, I'm really tuned into little cues. And so when there's people that I find are really talented and I'm just uh, kind of curious about them. And they're also like really nice people that I have, like I'm tuned into energy and stuff like that. I know it's kind of woo woo, but I'm from LA. So maybe that's part of it. And <laughs> yeah, so I've been really lucky, Dave. I've been able to collect these amazing friends like you. Like we don't really know each other super, super good. We, yeah. we hung out a few, t- we met in, in Nashville and then we saw each other through um, South by a bunch. And yeah. then here we have this podcast that you had you on mine and you, now you're having me on yours and and our relationship is deepening and and you know we're sort of like giving to each other and helping each other out and and it just so happens that our um sort of worlds and the vector of our careers are have a lot of overlap and that sort of brings me to hunt club Mm. um kind of fast forward a bunch like i what's really interesting and novel about hunt club is we've we're wrapping the entire kind of recruiting market that does have sort of a glad handy kind of networking kind of bad uh taste sometimes with uh we're trying to do something different and special where we're we're trying to power it with warm referrals and people are we have this expert network of about fifteen thousand folks Mm. these are people like you like you're a marketing expert you're talent expert and they share their address book with us so we get linkedin iphone gmail contacts and um, we enrich them and then we crowdsource our outreach uh, to candidates through our network and we give them part of our um, commission as a reward so they get uh, cash for making intros and, and even more cash if their um, uh, referral converts to a, a place candidate mm. and I wasn't looking for this job as GM of hunt club. One of the experts had hit me up and said, Hey, Curdy, like this would be a really good fit for you. These guys hunt club out of Chicago are looking to expand to the West. You got a great network. I think you'd be a great fit. And 
I met Nick, the CEO, and he had a very similar kind of vibe and, and philosophy around the world and trying to do something really different in a market that um, I sort of had a lot of interest in. And I knew there's a lot of money in it, but I had an allergy to like how fundamentally a lot of times it works. And so uh, it's been a good run. I've been here two and a half years um, and uh, a lot of momentum, you know, we're not perfect. We have challenges, but like, that's one of the things that I love about what we're trying to do is we're trying to be pretty honest with each other as teammates and honest with our customers. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's all about the relationship at the end of the day. Like, you know, that's really what it's about. And, you know, I work with like uh, Sequoia and Dreesen. We work with Bain, and you know, they, they, these these folks trust us with their portfolio companies, and it's all about that relationship because they know that, like, you know, we're you know, it's not a, the transactions come out of the relationship. And I I feel like I'm on a rant right now, and I'm just talking way more than I. I was no, no, no. That's do. why you're here, man. Yeah. If it was just yeah. me, that'd be boring. So, yeah. uh, no, this is really interesting. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to make a point that the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 I think the, the back to your, the thing about the networking is I think a lot of people have it backwards is that, you know, start with a relationship and then, and see if there's good alignment and, and you get a good energy and kind of slow down. I think people often rush to intimacy. The, I read a book a while back called the diamond cutter and, uh, the diamond cutter, diamond hunter, diamond cutter, I think. Um, and it was about like, uh, when about a jeweler, but he was, uh, or, a, a guy that was turning a jewel, a jewelry company around, but he was actually a Buddhist monk and it was really fascinating, but I liked his, his idea of planting seeds in relationships, right? Yeah. So like you're tending to relationships just as you attend to seeds that you just planted, you water the plant, you keep, you know, put, take it out of the bad weather, put it in the sun, you know, th these kinds of things. And then over time it would grow. And it went, once it grows, maybe it would produce some sort of fruit or, or something like that, that you could then maybe enjoy. But at the end of the day, the enjoying of it is really just spending time planting those seeds and kind of growing it. And it's the same sort of idea with relationships, right? Where you spend time helping other people and finding ways to serve them more than anything else. And it, call it karma, call it what you like, but you know, good things come around uh, as a result of doing that. Is that something you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Duke Stump, my mentor that I mentioned, has really helped me with a career with this sort of uh, imagine the day exercise. He has this great story of this Japanese farmer called Fuikoa. And um, the guy essentially has a sort of a counterintuitive approach to farming that actually has a like a, a non-linear outsized yield output. And this guy like works the seed and, you know, he takes his time and he's really, it's this idea that you can't create the magic, but you can create the conditions for the magic. And that he he really waits for like uh, the right time to plant um, in the right environment, and then and then he plants, um, and then the harvest is outside. And I think like you know, back to my mapping days at Esri, I sort of feel a lot of folks confuse the map from the terrain, mm -hmm. and they sort of get sort of fixed in how things should be done, and they're not really paying attention to the subtleties. And that's one of the things our CEO at Hunt Club, Nick Chromitis, does so well is like. You know, you have your operating model, how things should go, but like really paying attention to what's, um, you know, what's really happening in the now around the, uh, the, the relationship and intending to people. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about this perfect, uh, perfect day or play. I'm sorry. What, what did you call it? Imagine the, the day. Imagine the day. Do you remember like the steps involved with that? It'd be, it'd be an interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a, it's a very simple framework. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class, he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B. 
But LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Um, it's essentially if like, so to anybody listening to this that is not, you know, completely tap dancing to work, as like Warren Buffett would say, and right. you know. There, there, there's, you know, maybe take a step back and consider this exercise and it's a design ex- exercise. And if, you know, if you were to design your perfect day, what would that look like? And, and then, you know, when you think, when you start pulling that thread, it's like, what would the answers be? So then you get to like, what would the questions be? So mm-hmm. for me, like Duke's advice was like, all right, like what market are you working in? You know, like practical stuff, like physically, are you in an office? Are you at a home? Are you doing remote hybrid? You know, like, is it consumer? Is it enterprise? You know, um, there's a bunch of different ways you could get around this. Like there's that one idea is Ikigai. They have that, um, anybody that's never heard of Ikigai that's interested in this. It's a Japanese concept, uh, called a reason for being it's I K I G A I. And it has this wonderful, wonderful um, illustration that you could find online. If you just Google I-K-I-G-A-I, Ikigai, mm. you go to Google Images, it has this beautiful um, vector of what you love. That's one circle. The circle of what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you're good at. So four circles, what you, mm. what you love, what the world needs, what you could be paid for, and what you're good at. And Ikigai is the bullseye. Of, mm. of those that concentric overlap. Um, and for example, if you have just like, you know, um, like, uh, like, like attorneys, oftentimes, you know, they're good at law and they can get well paid for it. Um, they're comfortable, but they have a feeling of emptiness. Oftentimes my uncle was an attorney. So he, he would tell me he hated it all the time. Yeah. Artists oftentimes are, they, they deal with um, something that the world needs um, and what they love. So they're delighted and they're full, but they're poor. Mm-hmm. Right. So the icky guy is this sort of like interesting um, concept about like, try to, you know, kind of get all those needs met. And um, that might be an interesting framework to look through, like to design the, imagine the day, like what are, what are some of those like components? Um, I just had Aaron Ross on the show and that episode goes live uh, next week. And that's an incredible episode to listen to around this. Cause he's a Matt reinvented himself a ton of times. He sort of wrote the, uh, the Bible for software SaaS selling in Silicon Valley called predictable revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went on to have 10 kids. 10. Was, yeah. They had 10 kids in 10 years. Uh, they had, uh, there was two that uh, from his, first wife they had three bio kids and then five kids they adopted wow and it's an incredible story about like reimagining um what his life and talks about how he made 10 million bucks in 10 years through his consulting work and how he's reimagining what he wants to do next and um you know we get into some of this on that on that uh episode but um yeah imagine the day there's you know there's it's a it's a it's kind of a, just a high level idea. And there's a bunch of ways you can get to those answers and a bunch of ways you can get to those questions. When I did it, it was September of 2000, maybe October of 08. So like the great financial crisis was like in full swing. Yeah. I had completely like was wiped out. No, you went from hero to zero in my, in my real estate business. And it was a beautiful full moon. And I sat out in the backyard and, and I just meditated and I had my journal and I just thought about, um, those, uh, the, these elements. And that was the, the, um, what I came up with. Like I said earlier, I wanted to do something in tech out of real estate into tech. I wanted to be social enterprise, which city source was, we, we pioneered mobile three one one. Uh, we were one of the first B corps in the market. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I was going on conferences, you know, once a month after that. And, and all those little things that I, I, I did within three months, I found, met my um, business partner 
Within 12 months, we were on the main stage at TechCrunch Disrupt and we took third place and had a total Silicon Valley Mike Judge experience with the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I have, I have another insight about it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring so it. So the, the other insight, and I found that out this very much later, but in episode six of my podcast, I had my coach, Michael Nitty, on the show and um, met him through my wife who had been working with Michael. And Michael... Uh, was hired by Tony Robbins to set up Tony's coaching business in the early 2000s. Wow. So he's a master coach. Uh, this episode I did, episode, I think it's episode six, I believe. I could be wrong, but it's called Surfing Synchronicity. Mm. And um, he went on to be Tony's VP of operations for over 10 years. And he, he said that the, there was one big insight he learned from Tony and that Tony Robbins figured out the secret to uh, the universe the secret to success in the context of like the universe conspiring on your behalf. And um, there's three elements. The first one is clarity or of intention or clarity of objective. Okay. Right? Yeah. The second one is enthusiasm or conviction around your objective. And then the third thing is, um, you know, that the idea or the intention or the objective serves the greater good. Mm. The greater good could be as simply as like just a business helping people. It doesn't have to be starting the next green piece. Yeah. And so back to imagine the day, imagine the day helps with getting that clarity around the intention. Mm. And I think really is like, there's probably a lot of science around this now. There's probably even more, but the mind is so powerful. Millions of years of evolution and, and, and bio, biological evolution. And this thing, I think, you know, as we get the mind concentrated, it's this pattern recognition machine and it's powerful. And even Aaron Ross was even talking on the last episode that I was saying, yeah, talking about how he, you know, had was a fortune of good luck. And he said, ah, maybe not, maybe it's not luck. Maybe Elon Musk is right. Maybe it's a simulation. Right. <laughs> and maybe the simulation is a function of what we're concentrating on. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Yeah. There's a lot of uh, talk around that these days that you hear of, uh, of the idea of like a simulation. I've definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. I've definitely sort of changed my views on manifestation and on, and on, I mean, I've always believed in meditation, but it's not something I did uh, regularly enough. And it's something over the last, since, certainly since COVID probably uh, knocked down our doors that I, I and, and I mean, COVID began as the pandemic uh, began um, that I started doing that. Like I started meditating more. I think um, I read uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Gupta's book about mind health. Uh, my father passed away last year of uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. And of course he was, I mean, he had a, a great run and he was, uh, he was uh, definitely had a good run. So, um, but I bring that up because I started researching like how to prevent, because uh, it does run in my family. So how to pre prevent getting Alzheimer's space ultimately. And some of the the key things, and of course it's still, you know, kind of a gray area, but there's, you know, um, uh, some of the things that trigger it are like lack of oxygen to your brain. Um, like when you sleep, for example. So I did a sleep test and sure enough, I had sleep apnea. So now I sleep mm -hmm. with a CPAP. Now, nothing sexier than... <laughs> CPAP at night, but I digress. Um, uh, alcohol is another one. Like one yeah. drink, one drink socially is different, uh, like a wine or something, but, um, I quit. So I quit booze. So I haven't had a drink in two years. Um, uh, physical Amazing. exercise and meditation, right? Meditation's yeah. another one, um, of, uh, you know, kind of peak pandemic. I was sort of feeling extremely overwhelmed and I saw a therapist and I've talked about this on some earlier episodes of this show. Um, but you know, and I, I, I came, uh, she, she walked me through, you know, the exercise of like kind of trying to not trying to be present ultimately, right. Thinking less about the future, um, and less about the past because the past leads to, can lead to like depression and the future can lead to anxiety and rather just focus on being present. Um, yeah, that's and, and such, it, such a powerful, like, uh, insight and a distinction right there. Um, if, if, I, I think yeah. there's one thing that anybody could learn from this discussion is what you just said right now. It's, it's honestly, it was a game changer for me. And even like meditating now, 
you know, when I, when I do meditate, when I meditate, um, I have like a legal pad next to me on the floor. Um, and so, you know, because I think a lot of people misunderstand meditation. They think like, I've talked to friends about it before and they're like, ah, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about stuff. And I'm like, it's not, that's not the point. Like you just, you thoughts are going to come because that's how we're programmed, whether it's by some other system or, or God or God knows what. Um, but that's how our minds work. And so the point though, is to, um, and I got this from, uh, Sam Harris has a, a great, uh, pot, uh, meditation app. Uh, called waking up. And during that, I had this revelation that rather than, rather than focus like on frust getting frustrated that I'm thinking of stuff while I'm trying to meditate, play it out like a film in my head. And so like, I would start thinking about something I need to do. And so I would like, think about like finishing that thing and okay, so I'm done. Oh, that's it. And it ends, right? And now I can focus back on my breath and and things. So, um, but having that legal pad has been helpful too. So that if I have an idea or think of something, which will happen, I can just jot it down really quickly. And then yeah, I do the same thing. I meditate uh, in the morning, twenty minutes. I just put a timer on. Yeah, and I just do a breathing meditation on my couch in the morning. Um, and I have uh, either my phone or my if I do it at my desk. Sometimes at my office, I'll sometimes have my little. Uh, my notebook. And um, if I have a thought that's important enough to write down, I give myself permission to write it down because I yeah. get a lot of great ideas through it. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. And then sometimes I'll do stretching too, kind of like almost like a yoga. Uh, but I think that's really, really important um, to be able to, to have that space. It's almost like, um, you know, like back in the day we would defrag the the computer, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like it's like that. Um yeah. And I think a couple of things. One, also, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad. Um, oh, think, thanks. Yeah. That's really, uh, I can't imagine. Um, and my, my wife is, uh, always bugging me. Like you read too much nonfiction. Cause I obsess on like finance books. I'm like, so into investing and stuff. And she's like, you need to be reading some nonfiction or some, uh, fiction. You need to be reading some science fiction. Cause she's kind of like, I guess there's data about like the synaptic ways they start to fire and like, we need to be, you know, keep learning new stuff. Um, like that's why I think like a lot of folks like play bridge when they get older. Cause it's like a good mind bender. Um, yeah. but I, I surf, I, I play guitar. I try to do a lot of things that where I continue to have to be in the moment. Um, I just got to go to Kelly Slater surf ranch this last weekend for the fourth time. Oh, no way. Yeah. And uh, here I am in my forties, like getting really good at like tube riding, which is like the ultimate thing in surfing. And it's like, it's such a concentration of of the mind. It's a beautiful thing. And, um, I can't, I can't recommend whatever it is. It could be gardening, you know, walking like or bird watching. It doesn't really matter. Like, what is it that gets people kind of like in the, in, in the moment, yeah. 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 I had David Merman Scott on a previous episode of this podcast and he was talking about, uh, surfing as well. And I was just exchanging, uh, some, uh, messages with uh, guy Kawasaki about it because, uh, my family and I, we just went to Hawaii, uh, recently and, um, but think, uh, I, I won't bore you with the details, but I have a, a pretty terrible back and my back decided that it was going to be especially terrible. And so I had planned cause I turned 50 last April. So my intention was to start like try surfing for the first time. And, uh, so that, that remains undone, uh, but it is on the list. Uh, so I was, I was hoping to get that done, uh, to do that while I was in Hawaii, but I did just uh, perform stand-up comedy for the first time, and oh, second, I love that. And, and second time, so uh, and third Amazing. time, third time this week uh, will be uh, tomorrow. So uh, we'll see what happens. I, I've uh, <laughs> I've done I've done stand-up at the Improv and the Comedy Store in LA, and it's so fun. Dude, those are like those are like uh, yeah. I mean, that's the the mecca for the for stand-ups, right? <laughs> that in the Comedy Cellar, I guess. Um, yeah. that's awesome, man. What brought you to to doing stand-up? Well, I had that little startup city sourced and it was just all of a sudden we caught fire and I was having to do a lot of public speaking events and I was so afraid of it. And, um, 
I was like, well, what, maybe we could kill two birds with one stone and like get over, crack the ice with uh, doing stand up. So I, my friend, um, who's now a very well known stand up comic, we did a comedy class together. It was a six week thing called Judy Carter Comedy. Yeah. And the, and the first, uh, you work through the fundamental because it's a formula, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, you do the show at the, uh, the improv and, uh, it went really, really well. And one of the talent bookers said, Hey, you were really funny. You should come over to the comedy store. So they had me go there. Nice. And, uh, at the time I wasn't drinking. Um, and I wasn't really into like hanging out at comedy stores late night. And it was going to be like, just kind of a distraction. I sort of achieved what I wanted to achieve and it ended up helping my uh, public speaking a ton. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I often, in fact, so, you know, I have these keynote presentations that all fit into this nice method framework. And one of those presentations is called the master communicator's secret weapon. And that secret weapon, shh, don't tell anyone, the secret weapon is improv. And mm. um, so it's using skills from improvisation to improve the way you communicate um, with the people in your lives, uh, in your life and your work and and so on. Um and, and so my background is with, with, with improv. I, I studied improv with second city in Toronto, um, and then, uh, performed improv across, uh, uh, I had my own troupe when I lived in Ireland, uh, and performed improv regularly every week there. Um, and I've performed in London and Scotland and uh, other places. Um, and then I hit like a midlife crisis in Nashville. And instead of joining a band, like most Nashville people, uh, <laughs> I, uh, joined an improv troupe and started performing improv regularly again and, uh, and got really into it. But I've always, I've always wanted to perform stand up. I've always studied stand up. And, uh, and to your point as a keynote speaker, I mean, it's my job to, to engage the audience and to teach the audience, but also to have a great time with them and make sure that the, they don't just come away, uh, oh. learning new things, but they come away being entertained as well. And so, uh, my experiences and study of, of comedy and performance and acting and things all fit into, uh, into my presentation. So that's super cool that you did that. That's awesome. Yeah, that was just sort of an intuitive thing. Um, the framework I try to work through now is in entertain, educate, and inspire. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, so, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, um, and tell me a little bit about uh, an early lesson, like in leadership that you learned along the way and, and how that might apply to what you're doing today. I love that question. Early lesson in leadership um, relating to today. Uh, we might want to edit out the the long pause. That's okay. Yeah. Like think about it, like maybe it doesn't have to necessarily be work related. It could be community related. That's outside of work, but ways, you know, um, so the, the other, uh, popular keynote that I do is called the ROI of nice. Mm-hmm. And, the, and it's really a leadership talk. In the very beginning of that presentation, I share a personal story about, um, about <laughs> well, the very quick version of it is um, I used to hang out, listen to a lot of punk rock and skateboard. It. I was a skateboarder and stuff. And uh, the group of the small group of friends that I had back then are still best friends today, like 30 plus years later. And I got together, we always had this one guy that I always thought of as like the leader of the pack, the guy that would, you know, recommend malls to go, or, you know, wherever to go and things to do and bands to check out and so on. And, uh, so I got together with one of the guys from that group, like, I don't know, a few years ago, even, and we were having a drink and catching up. And he says, uh, we were reflecting on that. And I said, well, you know, I I brought up this guy who I had always imagined to be sort of the quote unquote leader of the pack. And he's, he's, and he laughed at me and he's like, what? And I was like, you know, this guy. And he's like, dude, you were the leader. I kid you not. And I'm like flabbergasted. I was like, what? I thought he was pulling my chain. I was like, no way. Like, shut up. And he's like, no, dude, I always thought of you as like the leader. I was like, wait, what? Um, and this just blew my mind. Cause I started thinking about it. And so that, that presentation, the ROI of nice begins this way so that the audience recognize the fact that even if they don't manage people or, you know, they, they have people in their lives, their kids, their friends, and that they are leaders in the way they behave and the things that they do. 
And so everybody's a leader um, in one way or another. They, you know, they, what they do affects others. So, so thinking of like maybe the road trips that you or twips or or the the travel or the speaking or were there ways that things that you learned in sort of air quotes leadership that that might apply to some of the stuff that you're doing now. Yeah, I think what comes to mind is in the context of like leadership, um, you know, I think there's sort of this idea of, um, you know, you have kind of leaders and followers. And I don't don't know if I really like like that language around it. Um, But I think like this for me, like I like very similar to you. I was the one always throwing some of the cool parties in high school. And then in college, I went to UC Santa Barbara and I remember I was very lucky. I was freshman um, buddies with Jack Johnson, the, uh, the singer surfer. Mm. And um, we made buddies and they had an amazing band and it kind of took my dad's uh, radio station contacts. And I remember I booked Jack's band opening for the Dave Matthews band at the Ventura theater. In nice. uh, the mid nineties. And this was like before David bo- had, had uh broken, there's like, I don't know, three, 400 people at the show. Um, at yeah. a, you know, 2,500 seat venue. Right. Yeah. We thought it was so cool. And, uh, you know, and then I ended up, I remember I just, I was, I was, uh, promoting, I, that's what I thought I was going to do is be in the music business. So I was promoting bands and, um, you know, and then like with, when I got into real estate, it was just sort of like, you know, transactional. It was like a way to make good money and blah, blah, blah. But like, as I got into tech and kind of imagined the day and doing these events um, and building community, I think that's really for me, what it like leadership has been is sort of like being an organizer of, of, of people and providing an experience that um, created a container for people to have uh, relationships. So like, even at these modem things, even though we only did it for three years, like, the community of about 300 folks that would kind of cycle through our monthly kind of 30, 40 people events, a lot of great friends and a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, business partnerships, a lot of jobs, you know, but people got hired and stuff like that. And, um, so I can just continue to be a part of that. I'm doing a founders and funders thing now. It's getting some good traction. Uh, I just started doing these Kelly Slater surf, uh, events. Um, it's a fourth one we've done and, um, just like even those last couple of days, just the texts of people just being like, they're, you know, they had an ecstatic experience with their life and something that bucket list and being able to provide, you know, these really bucket listy kind of, op, uh, experiences for people, both professionally and for career wise, I think for me has been like probably an evolution and maybe back to your question and maybe throwing parties in high school is where, where, where I learned it. <laughs> All right. So where's Cody D in 10 years from now? 10 years. Oh man. Uh, that's funny. Who knows? The, one of the things we talk about is my brother, Christopher, who's awesome. And I talk about this idea called purposive drift and it's sort of heading a direction with like kind of a general purpose, but not knowing exactly where you're going perhaps. And I just think more of this, just, you know, probably maybe building another business. Um, you know, I definitely think I have one more startup in me. So I think that's probably high odds that happens. Um, I'm investing uh, a lot these days and that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, maybe there's probably some good book content that comes out of, um, the podcast. Cause there's some reoccurring themes now the patterns yeah. there. Um, and probably some, uh, more epic surf trips who knows Bali beyond. Uh, yeah. so just mixing it. it up, having fun, uh, and making, making some good money and awesome friends along the way. That's awesome. All right. We're going to wrap it up here with, this, uh, my lightning round questions. So complete this sentence. Nice guys and gals finish. The dramatic pause. I love it. <laughs> I think I they it. finish well. Oh, I like that. What's yeah. a nice book that you recommend to the nice makers listening? Well, give and take for sure. Adam Grant. I mean, if you haven't read that, um, the interesting insight in that book is that there's the, um, there's two types of givers. Um, and the givers that sort of give to other givers outperform non-linear above the, the matchers, which is the middle and then the, the takers. But there's this 
this section of givers that give to um, non-givers. So either the matchers or takers and they, they, they perform worse than everybody. Yeah. That's a, so you have to be really smart about who you give to. Mm, That's a, that is an awesome book. Think again, by the way, is also uh, one of my recent favorites too. It's a, it's another good one by Adam Grant. All right. Uh, How's Curdy D nice to himself? Oh, uh, well, it feels like a broken record now, the being able to go to Kelly Slater's surf ranch. Uh, yeah. I've been four times now in, in, in the last year and keep doing that. That's just like my happy place. And, uh, my wife, I'm so happy for like another month after I go somewhere holding my wife's like, you can go anytime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife seems to like it when I travel too, for some reason. Uh, if you had a billboard, what would it say? You made it. You're a miracle. I love it. Hey, Curdy D, how can people get a hold of you and learn more about you and listen to your podcast? Yeah, I'm easy to find. It's uh, I'm on the interwebs at Curdy D. That's K-U-R-T-Y, the letter D. Uh, you could go to the dot com, com. You could go at Curdy D on Instagram or Twitter, um, on LinkedIn at Kurt to Derridix. And um, yeah, you could subscribe to the show. Um, it's you know, on all the Spotify, Apple podcasts, where you've listened podcasts. And, uh, yeah, if there's anything I could do to help anybody in the audience, you know, hit me up a short little note and your friends with Dave or, or, and, uh, I will, I try to be pretty responsive. Yeah. You're awesome, man. Well, I do encourage everybody, everybody to listen to the show. I will include links to everything we talked about in the show notes. So if you're listening now, just look in your little especially your little player there, your app, and you'll find the links to everything too. So, all right, brother, thanks for having, uh, or thanks for joining me on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dave. You're one of the nice guys. (laughs) And uh, I'm just so grateful that you had me. And um, yeah, anything I could ever do to help you too, I'm here. Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. Please leave a review if you enjoyed this episode at friend.nicepodcast.co. And you can find show notes, links to other episodes, and lots of other goodies over at nicepodcast.co. Music by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca. We'll see you next time and be nice. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.